Well, I'm not Mike Minner. You seem surprised. My name is Evan. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I just get uh, an opportunity today. They let me out of the cage a little bit today, so um, uh, I'm working on my fireside chat routine. So um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm excited to be able to be with you and to be able to spend time in God's Word this morning. Uh, I'm so grateful to be able to open the Word together and to wrestle with it and to see what God has to say to us this morning through His Word. And uh, so if you've been with us for the past, I don't know, 22 years, we've been in the book of Genesis. <laughs> so Mike goes, Evan, what are you going to preach on, man? I was like, dude, I'm laying in the plane. I'm laying in the plane on Genesis. He just laughed. He's such a good sport. Um, but uh, no, Mike's uh, on a much-needed vacation, and so uh, I'm just grateful that he's willing to let people like me get up and take the pulpit. It shows just how humble he is, what a good leader he is, how much he just loves um, uh, you and his staff, and so I'm just really grateful for the opportunity. So this morning, we're not going to be in the book of Genesis. I'm not going to land the plane, uh, though we can try to hold him accountable to that and see what he does. You know, a fake riot on next time he comes back. No, we're done. Um, in the beginning. <laughs> no, um, this morning, what I, I do want to do is, though we're not going to be in Genesis, I'm, I'm excited because I want to pick up on something that Mike uh, preached on a few few weeks ago, if you're with us. And, and a few weeks ago, Mike preached from the book of Acts chapter 2. And what he did was he laid out for you and me, and he showed us through the book of Acts, the, a picture of what the first church, the first gathering of God's people, the first Christians, what, what they did together. And so he titled his sermon, Gathered and Scattered. And so he used these two words as a, a way to create and show us this rhythm that we see of God's people, who God's people are, and then what they do together. We're like, what, what are they supposed to do when they when come together? And Acts chapter 2 is a riveting chapter that shows us this amazing picture of the first church. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I, I really do. I, I, I think it's a foundational message for any Christian to listen to, to kind of figure out like, hey, what, what, am, I, what am I a part of and, and how does that work and why? So I just don't even know if sometimes we even ask that question of like, hey, like, why do we come here? And why do we do this week after week after week after week? Is it just routine and habit? Is it good? Is it, is it optional? Like, I mean, those are questions I think maybe should weigh on our hearts and minds sometimes. And I, I think God's really clear. And so Mike showed us that this scattered and gathered rhythm is, is from his word and that we can see that very clearly when the church gathers and then when it scatters. And so let me just define those just really quickly. And I won't stay on that much because I, what I want to do is I would love to just kind of pick up the ball where he left it and kind of just run a little bit further down the road in just a very specific way. But before I do that is gathered. Here's the definition. It's what we're doing right now. We come together. The scriptures use the word in the New Testament, you know, assemblies or, 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 or gathering of God's people. So it's just, it's the idea that God's people are together and that they do that with a rhythm, all right? But they also scatter. They're not always together, but they're called to be together even when they go out and scatter into the world to do the things that they're doing. And for us today, we're going to see this. It's, it's wherever we're at is scattered being on mission. You've heard this over and over again. If you've ever been in a church, you hear people go, man, we're on mission together. That is true. 
But, but this scattered and gathered rhythm is what we're going to see. And in the, in the Acts chapter 2 shows us just a picture of that. And so what I want to do today is I want to just focus in as, as best I can. And I'm not good at being concise, but I'm going to try. <laughs> and I heard somebody laugh. You must know me very well. And so what I'm going to try to do is look at the book. of. If you have your Bibles, you, you pull, pull that out or open that up. And we'll be in the book of Hebrews. And we'll be in chapter 10. And what I want us to do is I want us to take a look there. And I want us to see... Three things in the text that are, are for you and me specifically as God's people, a call, a command for you and me. All right. So um, here's but before we do that, here, here's kind of what I do. I, I was running this by my wife over the past couple of days and I was trying to think of this really cute, cool analogy. And I just she was like, nope, nope, nope. So I struck out like I, I got nothing. But I'm going to go ahead and try it anyway, because I just what here's what I want. All joking aside, here, here's what I want to happen. Here's what I'm asking that God would do in our time together as we read from Hebrews 10. Just a few verses that are full and rich of implication and, and, and command for you and me as God's people. Here, here's what I hope he would do. And, and so think of it like this. It would be like this. If all of us, just bear with me, pretending we're in the car all together. You're like, I don't like that already. <laughs> Move over, right? Like my kids, like elbowing but here's the deal. If, if just pretend we're in a car together and we're going to go on, the, on a trip and we're going we're gonna to see what God has for us to see for, 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 from his word today, right? And so, so here's what's going to happen is I think it's what's going to happen is undoubtedly as we, we look through this windshield, if we're using this windshield as a metaphor of, 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 of our lenses, of, the, of, of our perspective on things. And so what I'm going to um, try to lay out for us is that I think all of us are coming into when we think about the church, when we think about what it is we're supposed to do together, we can have a lot of different opinions on that, can't we? Maybe we've been taught certain things, or, or, or maybe we've been just grown up in certain ways that we've just, we've just seen it in this way, or we've seen it in that way, and so I think it should be this way, I think it should be that way, I can take this, we can leave that, so th- that, that's what I'm talking about, and so I think our windshield, as we're all driving together in the same car, it might be a little foggy, maybe there's some residue on it with all of our different perspectives, and what I hope to do today, what I hope God's Word will do for us today, in the short time we have, is, is, is kind of act like the windshield wipers when they just clean off the windshield for us. And so just maybe today, what's going to happen for us is, is we can get some of that residue wiped off, some of that, the dirt that's kind of blocking our view from seeing what God's Word has for us in, in, in some way, shape, or form. And so that's my hope today, is that, that God would just be kind and maybe just clean off our windshield for us so we can see what is it we're supposed to do together. Why is it important to understand who we are when we gather together and what it means to be part of the body of Christ. And so if you know our, our vision statement at Rest and Bible, you know it's to know Christ and to make him known. And one of the specific ways that that happens, and if you read down a little bit further, is it says through authentic Christian community. That sounds great, doesn't it? What does that mean? Authentic Christian community. I think what we're going to see today from God's Word is, is where that's anchored in, what, what it looks like. And my hope for you and for me is that that would be encouraging. I hope that it would be really challenging for us as well, that it would sit heavy on us. It's like, oh wait, God, you mean we're supposed to do something, not just kind of come and, and, and peace out afterwards? Like I got something to do and that would sit heavy on us in a good way. I also hope it would be an inspiring thing for us this morning as God's people. 
And so I want to say one thing to those who wouldn't consider themselves a follower of Jesus. And I'm pumped that you're here. Because here's what, you're going to get some inside information this morning on what Christians, what, what the God of the Bible is calling his people to do and look like. And you might have some crazy ideas as well of what that might look like. You might know some people and you're going, I'm not, I'm not so sure that's what that's supposed to look like. Or, or maybe in a good way, you're like, man, that's exactly what I see with the people. And that's why I'm here. I'm checking this out. I want to know more about this God. So man, I'm just thankful you're with us. So I think there's something for you to see today of, of, of who God is and what he's calling his people to do. And my hope, I know that the prayer for all of us in this room who are followers of Christ, our aching for you is that you would see Jesus today in a way that you've never before. And you would put your faith and trust in him today and that you too would be a part of this amazing body that God has put together. That's our hope. All right. So are we ready to go on that drive? All right. Thanks for being excited for me. <laughs> All right. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 19. And here's, here, here, here's where we're going to go with this. What we're going to read as we read this, and we're just going to study the text. We're just going to sit and just study. What's the text say? What's the text say about us and gathering together and scattering and all that? What does it have to do with that? And there's three things we're going to see, all right? We're going to see this in the text. So we're going to draw near to God. We're going to hold fast to a confession, and we're going to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Those are the three things we're going to see today. So I guess you're like, okay, great, pack up, let's go. But hang with me, because I want to talk some more. I think there's going to be some really incredible implication to that. And here's the thing, there's going to be the glue that's going to hold all of those three things that we're supposed to do together. The thing that holds it together is you and me together. What we're going to see is it's impossible for these things that God's calling us, the pastor in Hebrews, what he's doing, calling us together to do, impossible to do it, not being together. All right? So let's jump in and see. Is that what God's word says? All right. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. We'll start verse 19 and go through verse 25. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Oh God, I, I pray this morning. And I pray, God, that we would see from your word the amazing call that we've been given as your people, as followers of Jesus, that you have given us a, a very specific purpose, every one of us. And Lord, I pray that as we just spend time unpacking this and, and letting this weigh on our own hearts, God, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, that we would be inspired, God. Lord, help us to be faithful to your word. And God, I pray that as we just spend time in this, Lord, that you would help me to be faithful to your word, God. We need you. Oh God, we need you. It's in Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. Let's just jump in. What, what does the text say? 
So the first thing we see is, therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places. Now, right away, you and I in 2019 aren't going to have the same perspective that the pastor who was preaching this to his hearers were going to have, right? Because they're going to go, man, confidence to enter the holy places. Immediately, they would be going, wait, 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 wait. Something's changed for us here. And, and we don't have time to do this, but the book of Hebrews, five chapters back and all the way up to this point, is spending time talking about how the way people have approached God has changed from the Old Testament and, and what's happened now when Jesus has come on the scene. And so he's now saying, hey, listen, it's not the same anymore. No longer do you need the priest who comes once a year and goes into the Holy of Holies and provides a sacrifice on behalf of all God's people so that he might even be the one to enter into the Holy of Holies. No longer is that needed. Why? Because and you can have full assurance that that's needed. Why? And he says, because of the blood of Jesus. The whole book of Hebrews up to this point has been saying Jesus is the great and perfect sacrifice, the ultimate, the final sacrifice. He's the one that was the Old Testament was pointing to. And he's saying, look, now because of the blood of Jesus, who? One person? No. Us, we, God's people can now have confidence to enter in to the holy places. This was a radical concept. This was paradigm shifting for the readers at that time. And so for you and me, we've grown up knowing, okay, we, get, we, we know Jesus. And man, that's amazing. And it is great. But I think we can kind of lose a little bit of how an, uh, unbelievable this claim would have been now and what Jesus has done. And so the writer right now, before he gets into what it means to be God's people, is saying, hey, how does that work? How did we get to become God's people? Right? And so where, where is this all stemming from? And he's saying the source of this is going to be through the blood of Jesus. All right? And so he says, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And like to so the scholars, when they're kind of arguing through, well, what do you mean by the curtain and his flesh here and stuff like that? Man, like, so there's a couple of different views on that. But man, a view that is, is just super helpful to look at that is like, man, that there was, there was something blocking our entrance into God's presence, Right? Our sin would not allow us to be in the presence of God. So, so a sacrifice had to be made. And so what the writer here is saying, man, the curtain was torn, and, and that's through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Again, he's just hammering home how we can have confidence to enter into God's presence. And can I just stop real quick? Does it amaze you, Christian, that you can be in the presence of God? I mean, I mean, right, like, I studied this all week, and I could just read it, and I was like, cool, 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 all right, all right, let's get to the, let's get to the other stuff, and it's like, whoa, 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 the psalmist in Psalm 100, what does he say? He gives thanks to God, he goes, enter his courts with thanksgiving, and I can sometimes just read and go, hey, we can have confidence to enter the holy place, we can be in God's presence, and I can, look, y'all, I confess, I can take that for granted. The pastor in Hebrews is going, amazing. And so I'm not trying to drum up false emotion for any of us in here, but what I am trying to, to point to, because I see it in my own heart when I can read this, I can go, um, thanks, now what? And I think, man, the whole reason of praising and worshiping God is to go, what? You would let me into your presence? You would give your son that that's the heart motivation that you see the preacher preaching to these people out of going, look, this is amazing news for you and for me. And so just this morning, I just want 
Man, would we ask God if we're struggling to be amazed at what he's done for us? To not let that grow cold? Has our worship of God for who he is and what he's done through Jesus, has it gotten lukewarm maybe? Man, it, has, it does for me. And here's why I'm thankful, because we're going to see something really awesome in the next few verses that's going to be a, a, a guard against this lukewarmness, this tepidness that we can feel for God and what he's done for us. Because as a Christian, as gathering the church, we can hear this over and over and over again, and it can just become like, yeah, you know, we hear the same thing over and over again. But that is never the point. It is never the point when we read God's word or we hear God's word preached. It is never merely just to be informative. It's certainly to be that, but it's supposed to be transformative. God doesn't want us just to know. He wants us to love him. So I just want to encourage us. Man, do you love God? Are you thankful for what he's done? Let's keep going. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, and so, man, again, undeniable, showing over and over again how Jesus is now the great high priest. No longer do we need a line of priests to stand for us over and over again. Jesus now has done that. And so in verse 22, we're starting to move into, okay, so now that we know what God has done, we're starting to take a turn a little bit. So as we're driving on this trip here, now we're starting to see, okay, what does God want us to see now in light of what he's done? Well, he says this again. He says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And what he's saying there again is just reiterating the same thing we've already understood from the previous verses is that God has sprinkled us clean. Again, an allusion to what in the Old Testament, when, when Moses would stand before his people and, and sprinkle blood. Are we, aren't we, one, one, just quick, aren't we glad we don't have to get sprinkled with blood? I'm, I'm thankful just on that level. Like, some of us kind of like our clothes, and like, that wouldn't be great to leave here with sprinkled blood all over. No, but that, that's what it would have been. So the, he's saying, look, Jesus has done that for his people now. He has sprinkled your hearts clean. Now draw near. And there's a reference to even baptism here. And on the first service this morning, we got to, as the church, celebrate a young brother's baptism. Testifying to this very reality that, that this brother's heart had been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. And now he enters in to show public profession of that to God's people as a reminder of that. Man, it's so cool. God is so kind to us. This is what we're seeing here. And so verse 23 is now the final turn. And here's where I want us just to, to park and spend, to spend our time wrestling and letting it sit on us this morning as we think about what are we supposed to do together now? What, what is the gathering and scattering of God's people all about? And he says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And when you see the word confession in here, the, the, the Greek word for this is, is not the one that we might think of like, hey, I need to confess it. Hey, I, I did that the other day. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, I, I confessed it. That was my fault. Uh, please forgive me for that. This is actually different. This confession is actually very specifically going, this is what you believe. This is, this is, kind of, this is your doctrine. This is, this is the basis for what you understand. And, and the, the pastor is going, hold fast to that. Why? Why does he write, hold fast? Why does he write that? Hold fast to your hope without wavering. And may I just submit that this is exhibit A for us this morning of God's love for us. That God created us and God knows us. 
And as he's preaching to us through his word and calling us together, and when he's saying, hold fast, I know because, man, you are going to be tempted to waver. You ever feel tempted to waver? Does it ever kind of just feel like it's hard to hang in there? You ever doubt? I do. And God knows that about you and me. And he's calling us. He goes, hold fast to what you believe in. Hold fast to what I've just told you. Hold fast to that Jesus is your hope with full assurance. He's saying you can know for sure because he's going to say a little bit, because he who is promised is faithful. And in Hebrews, he's going to say it again, because God cannot lie. Why? Because his nature is that he is not a liar. God will not contradict his nature, the pastor is saying to us. So brother and sister here this morning, the call for us when we gather is to hold fast to the confession of our hope. Our hope is in Jesus. That's why we say the gospel is, is something we need all the time, not just once in our life. We must be reminded of it over and over again. We need to be transformed in our head so that we think rightly, but then that that changes how we live to know that the gospel has saved you and secured you, brother and sister. This morning, do you need to be encouraged in that? Hold fast. And here's what I love about that. And here's a very, very specific implication of this, right? How are we supposed to hold fast? What does that look like? How do we do it? Is it on our own? The writer is so clear. He's using a pronoun over and over again, a plural pronoun. Let us. Who's the us? That's you and me. So right away, we see, based on what God has done for us, what we are to do now is to be committed to one another in a way that is going to remind each other of our hope in Jesus. That's why we gather every single week over and over, that this rhythm that we see, even in Acts 2, right, you see that I mean, they, 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 they gathered with this regular rhythm. And right, let me just say this, right, like because we've grown up in the church in this, in this modern context. It's not because we need our attendance sheet filled out with stars, right? And I don't mean to belittle that in one way, but in one way I do mean to belittle that because it's not merely just coming to take something, It's coming to do and be what God has called us to be because of what Jesus has done for you and for me together. And that this idea of us holding fast is something that has to be done together. There's no category here and all over the New Testament of this being done in isolation. Now, I want to come back to that because, man, that's a part of our windshield as we're driving, right? That I think we just got to keep cleaning off a little bit, the individual part and this consumerism part. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that. It's going to be uncomfortable, but, but man, that, that, can, that can hinder our view as we're driving along and seeing this, right? So let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Man, that is a call for us. Rest in Bible. That's what we are to do. That's what we are doing right now. And that's also going to work itself out when we leave here. But that doesn't stop because you're still God's people. But let's keep going. For he whose promise is faithful. And verse 24 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. What does that mean? Man, you know, if I'm honest, sometimes I wish it just meant like, hey, good to see you. It's good to see you and you and you. I hope they don't talk to me. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm really hungry. I want to get... Is that just me? 
Yeah, that, just being honest, right? <laughs> Pastor Hebrews is saying, it's more than that, brother. It's more than just love, love your shirt. To love and consider, like the Greek word for consider, I man, I love what it was. It's so helpful in this, right? The Greek word for consider is to observe fully, to observe carefully. And there is an intentionality in this call for us that requires a cost. Ugh. How are we feeling? But this cost is so beautiful, you guys. And, and look, I know I'm, I'm talking right now, and, and, and some of you are tasting this right now, and you're like, yeah, brother, that is good. But I know there's some of us who have not seen church or coming and gathering together primarily as being about, hey, thank you, God. We worship you, God. And now because of that, man, that's not the only thing we're doing. It's just not me and Jesus. But, man, that is supposed to transform how I live horizontally towards other people and specifically God's people. Yes, the world, for sure. I can't go into all that. I only got a little bit of time. So let's talk about us. But that love for God, what Jesus has done, is supposed to stir us to love one another. And that love, right, man, that's just a costly thing. What do you love that hasn't been something you are willing to sacrifice for? I, I submit there's not one thing that you in your own life, if you're honest, you look at it and you go, I love it, but it's just not worth that. Well, then you didn't really love it. What relationships do we have in that way? What parents wouldn't, out of love, give their own life? And look, I, that's not a stretch. I'm not making, I'm not doing Gumby gymnastics here with the text. I'm simply saying the author is going, because of Jesus' love, you now are to love other people. In 1 John it says, because he first loved us, so we love one another. Man, it's just all over. We can't escape that. And so I just want to, maybe I'm being a little, my wife says I get a little too fired up. She's like, Evan, if you stay at this level, people are just going to be like, holy smokes. Let me just ratchet it down a little bit. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that this kind of love, this kind of commitment for you and me as believers is costly and intentional. And so this is, remember that windshield part where we can get, kind of get kind of messy? Look, I, I live in this culture, so I am exhibit A of the challenge that this bears on my own life, right? I, I was half joking when I was like, oh, hi, and you're kind of hurrying out the door, trying to get out here, right? But to gather together God's people, man, Evan, you are missing, I am fundamentally missing God's call if I am so enamored with what God has done for me and then I don't do this, well, I would, maybe I miss something if I'm not willing to go, look at these brothers and sisters who I'm supposed to love. That's the lens that God's saying, that's what my people are to look like. That is the church, that is the body of Christ coming together and loving each other, is spending time. And look, man, we, we have shepherd groups. And look, this isn't like where I'm going to try to parade out all of our ministries. I'm not trying to do that. But what I'm trying to say is each of these ministries are rooted in a desire to see these things happen. 
to take God at his word and say, man, we need to be together. So a shepherd group really is an amazing way for that to play out, certainly when you gather, but then when you scatter so you can come back in a smaller environment. And the first thing I can hear right now is, but dude, another night of the week? And, and, they, and this is to me. If we look at Jesus, was Jesus begrudging of giving his life? That's not a guilt trip. That's not a guilt trip. It's a reality of going, you are now my people. Mel in the call to worship, read from Galatians 4, where, where Paul is writing. He's saying, you are no longer orphans, but you are adopted sons and daughters into God's family. We are now a part of a family, like it or not. And families are messy, aren't they? Families are messy, but they are committed relationships. That's why that metaphor works. That's why Paul used the metaphor of adoption. Jesus has bought you. He's brought you into his family. And he's telling you, love other people the way I have loved you. And you know what? That was costly for Jesus, wasn't it? So not out of guilt but out of joy. And joy doesn't mean it's always easy. Are there awkward people? Yes. The church is made up of people, y'all. Yes, it's awkward. I'm awkward. And I'm so thankful that in my awkwardness, the people in my life, the church, a group of brothers and sisters who come around me are going, nah, you are awkward, but we still love you. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's compelling. This wasn't, this wasn't like these accidental byproducts that God's like, oh, cool, look, oh, that, that's going to show. God's going, that is my plan for the world to see my love is through my bride, the church. So hold fast to what you believe in. Hold fast to me and love each other. And you know what? The world's going to look and go, holy smokes. He is awkward. I, I work with him. And y'all like hug him, high five him, and affirm him, and he let him talk. <laughs> but my point with that is this that there are people who love me, and I bet there's many of us in this room who have the same experience, who are loved and known, fully known and fully loved the way Jesus has loved us. And what is that like? If you've tasted that, you understand what the psalmist goes taste and see that God is good. Because we bear with the, all the one another's that we don't have time to go into. When you see that in the context of the gathered church together, you and me, all the warts and everything together, and we still love that, I'm, is that not compelling? Am I the only one excited about that? Is that compelling? That's a question. Is that compelling? It's Jesus' plan A for the kingdom of God to move forth. is you and me, his people, primarily done that out of love for one another. They will know me by how they love one another. When I started to see that, I was like, oh my goodness. You mean coming together as a church isn't just about the music? Man, I love the music here. <laughs> Do you? I come to church because I love the guys who speak. Just not this one. 
And there's so much more. Not less than that. Of course, the, he, if Paul's telling us, that's all the stuff that happens when we gather corporately. But man, primarily what we're to do is this, is to love one another. So let me just ask a question. How are you doing with that? How are, how are you doing with that? That charge. Right? Remember the windshield again. Here's where our, here's where our culture can really, can really derail you and me on this. Right? Because I can, I, can, I can look and kind of go, man, I, I'm tracking with you a bit here, dude, but uh, man, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I'm a, I'm a busy person. And so, man, church can be optional. I, so this is where I want to be a little bit heavy. Brother, sister, I, show me, help me understand exegeting any of these texts about the, the gathering of people that goes, that was an optional thing. Right? Again, I'm not saying that because we want full seats here necessarily. That would be great in and of itself. But not, that, that's not the point here. The point is going to halt to do what? It, it's to follow through with God's design for how He's made us and what He's brought us into. To hold fast to con- our confession and to stir each other up to love and good works. That's why it's not optional because guess what? If you're not here, what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You don't have to turn there, but if you'd like to, you can I want to read, like, what does it matter? Again, for me being a part of this, why does it matter whether I'm here or not? What if, what if other things are pressing in my life and this just, just doesn't become a habit for me as maybe I would like it to be? Let me just read this and then hopefully address that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. I'm just going to kind of skip around a little bit. So this is to you and to me. Paul's writing to a church. He's trying to figure out their worship stuff. They're all jacked up. And Paul loves them. And they're, they're eager in a lot of ways. Chapter 14, I wish we could talk about that in a long time. But chapter 12, he's talking about you and me and our gifts and what God has done with that and how that ties into what we're reading in Hebrews. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the, the same Spirit. But there are, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I think what I understand of that, that that is for all of us. And what I do know is he's talking to the church. So these gifts primarily are for the good of all of us together. Wow. You mean it's not just for me? Oh, no. Let's keep reading. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and other gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Let me just move on in verse 12. It says, for just as the body, this is where he changes and he moves into a metaphor to try to help us. He's going, let me help you understand this. For just as the body is one and has many members and all of the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
Paul's kind of like going, you have a firm grasp of the obvious here, right? <laughs> see where I'm, see, you tracking with me? Are we tracking with Paul? What is he saying? To love one another and to stir one another up to love and good works means that we all have a gift. We all have been given a gift by God. That, that, that's not a cute church rah-rah statement to go, we just want more people involved. That is the word of God saying that he has made you in his image and has given you a gift primarily to, to, to love his bride, to love the church that you gather with week after week. How are we doing with that? Are we spending ourselves in the same manner upon which we would spend ourselves in the world? Using your gift at your job or the place that you work, where you play, whatever that is? Is it the same intensity, if not more so, of going, man, the whole purpose of that gift, yes, it's good to use it in your workplace. Yes, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is primary purpose is to be used in the, the gathering of God's people, in the body together. How are we doing with that? See, this is why I just I think that windshield gets a little dirty because, again, man, this is costly. This, this means that i got to have some skin in the game here. This means it's not just a few people on a stage who do the work of ministry. Paul goes, look, no, the point of the, the staff of a church, if you will, is to help equip and to see these gifts fanned into flame to keep and going out and out and out. And, and I just want to stop for a second. I want to, I got to land a plane here. I don't want to, I want to go for another hour, but I can't. I want, I could, but I, I won't. Here, he, he, here's what I mean. And just, just hang with me on this. Just, this is an implication. If that's true, that we all have a gift, I don't think this is crazy. But what would that look like if not just a few of us took that seriously? But how many we have in the room today? 600, 700, 800? What if, this is crazy, what if every one of us took that seriously today? In this week? You see it? We sing songs about the great things that God has done. We see Him celebrating generosity, proclaiming the goodness of what God's doing through His people. What could that look like? I bet if Mike Minner were here this morning and I just was to ask him, like, hey, could you just stand up? Like, what, would, you, would, you, would you attest that this is what you've seen play out here? I mean, look, RBC, what a beautiful body this is. What a faithful body of believers this is. Think about 40 plus years. And I bet Mike, I almost, I'm almost positive that Mike would stand and go, this is how God did this. And so I know I'm speaking to some of you in the room who are going, man, I'm being faithful this, to this, Evan. And, I'm just, and I'm, just, I'm just, as a younger guy, somewhat younger, I'm just going, thank you for that. Thank you for being faithful to that. Thank you for modeling to us through shepherd groups and through different ministries and just hanging out one-on-ones and coffees and things like that. Thank you for modeling that 
for me so that I can try to help do that as well. Thank you for loving and considering how to stir me and other people like me up here as we're growing into a, a, a more prominent generation here in leadership. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for us to see front row seats of God taking something from one man's shining shoes to going something only explainable by the grace and power of God and calling people to this very thing. You and I are recipients of God's faithfulness through his people in this way. Every one of us in this room. People taking that seriously. Imagine what our missions budget of 1.5 million would look like in five years if we were to take that seriously every day and, and not forsake the gathering as the habit of some of us. And not forsaking, not just gathering, but forsaking spending time and going, I'm going to intentionally lean into you today and tomorrow. I'm going to get to know you. And I'm going to get to know your strengths. And I know it could be messy and awkward. I'm going to trust that God's doing a beautiful work. And that we'll see his glory. We'll see the, the kingdom of God advancing more and more and more. I look at 40 years and I go, man, what would the next 40 years look like of faithful brothers and sisters being called to this week after week after week with joy. It's exciting. That's not a pipe dream. The chapter of Acts chapter 2 is going, look what God, God added to their number daily. That's the same God, Paul's saying. The same God that's giving those gifts is the same God here. That's still our call. That's still our God. That is still his plan. He has been consistent with that plan for 2,000 years. And so guys, I just, I'm just going to end with this. What would that look like for you and me today as the body of Christ, out of love for what God has done for us through Jesus, to lean in to being committed to this local church family, warts and all, even more so than what we are right now. What would that look like for you? What's God putting on your heart right now that you're already going, I don't want to, I wish you would just stop and we could just get out of here. Just, no, but, but what's the Holy Spirit putting on your heart that you know, man, I could do more? And look, this isn't a call just to do more out of rote obedience. It's out of delight. Because this is what I was made for. And to remember that if I'm not doing that, someone's missing out. Could we think about it in that way? God, what would you have me to do so that, man, through my gifts, that God, somehow you might multiply goodness and grace and, and kindness to, to people in this local church? There was a story I heard here. It's my last thing I'm done. A woman who found out she had cancer. And then a community of sisters rallied around her. Loved her. Meals and encouragement just listening and crying and, and just being there. And then in that same group, apparently, there was a woman who found out a few months later a phone call that, guess what, she too had cancer. Is it not undeniable that God is going, I knew that. And you're not alone. And you can't be alone. If they had 
forsaken to gather and been intentional to lean into this person, and that person would have been deprived. And so that person who was receiving the goodness and kindness of God through their own struggle was then able to go in the midst of that struggle to go, man, I'm going to lean outward and care for this person the same way that I've seen God care for me through these people. Man, stories like that, I know there's a million of these in this room today. And I just want to say, let's, let's lean in and ask God to do more, show us more. What would it look like? That's something to come and gather and be excited about. Let us hold fast our confession. And let us love and stir one another up to good works. As the band comes out, I just want us to take a few moments as we just respond to God's goodness to see, man, this whole reality of gathering together and being God's people is His gift to you and to me. One commentator I was reading, he said this, he said, it's, it would be tantamount to rejection of God if you were to say, this is my bride, this is my gift to you, and for one of us or some of us to go, no thank you. This is a good gift. It's a costly one. It's a messy one. It's a worthwhile one, and that's why God's grace is sufficient. He's going to work itself through our weaknesses. Let's take God at His word. And let us thank him now as we sing the doxology together that he is the one who all good things have come from. And he is the one that sustains us. So I invite you to stand as we just respond and thank God for his goodness to us together.